everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Sunday with Foodie and the Beast. It's almost been 10 years in October. It'll be 10 years we've been on the air. Crazy. I know. It's insane. And it's a beautiful day. Andy has rolled up his window shade, and I have a perfect view of the Nikki Nellis Memorial Police Station. <laughs> this is really... <laughs> this, we'll tell you that story that's sometime. A, that's a long story. All right. So we got a great show. So when you think about how densely populated and built up a city is, it's kind of hard to imagine it as green or even generate able to generate agricultural produce for enough people to really enjoy. But Christoph Greena can see that and imagine that it is and able to do that. Okay, I'm going to cut to the chase. He's doing Wait rooftop gardening. He, yeah, he's the co-founder oh, of, of Uptop Acres. Well, I want to set it up. They okay. specialize in setup. bringing underutilized commercial spaces, uh, they farming and, and gardening, really. On those spaces. So he's going to tell us all about it. even beekeeping. Mm-hmm. So that's the buzz on him. Okay. And he's going to tell us about it. Yes. All right. God, my God. And is the show over? Jeez. No. You know, we um, have time. Okay. And later in the show, I'm so excited because uh, I was at Poco Madre recently, which is the new. I wasn't there. I know. Mm. They don't like you. Um, so uh, like many of you know Del Campo, Vic Albisu's fabulous restaurant. And uh, he has sort of cut it in half. He's put Taco Bomba up front, which is sick and amazing. But now he's doing this really fabulous dining concept in the back. And we're so lucky today. This we're is taking g- a long time, too. Shut up. We're getting uh, a mezcal <laughs> education from Michael Inglesias. So we're right. really looking forward to that conversation. Right. It's called Poco Madre. I said Poco Madre. No, I don't think you did. Okay. So... One of the world's and a returning guest, foremost authorities on culinary culture, is Amy Riolo from Calabria and the U.S. Uh, but she's the national spokesperson for the American Diabetes Association, and she has a great new book out called Quick Diabetic Recipes. She has uh, a lot of great books out. She has a lot We're going to be talking books. about a lot of what Amy is I doing. I wasn't going to do the whole bibliography. I know, I but she's doing a lot of great stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about that and the importance of maintaining a uh, diabetes-friendly uh, uh, diet, even if you don't have diabetes. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yes. And now we come to the man. Dun, da, da, da. Well, I love all our guests, but I love this guest the way only I can love this guest because he's our son, <laughs> Sam Nellis. Um, oddly enough, he's also one of DC's leading cocktail mavens. Uh, Just a little bit of nepotism he, on the show. He, it's okay. He, Nothing he, wrong uh, with that. No, Nothing joined, wrong with that at all. He, he joined the team <laughs> at Red Hen in 2016 after being with Neighborhood Restaurant Group and uh, as a bartender and manager there, and he's now in charge of their cocktail program at Red Hen and at All Purpose in Shaw, and he developed a spritzes menu that we're going to be trying. But first, first we, we got to talk before we get those spritzes. We got to talk. We're Mitch. forced to talk to Mitch Berliner. Where are you, Mitch? <laughs> I am here at the Bethesda Central Farm Market on a glorious day. It is beautiful. It never wow. rains on you. I don't get it. Sometimes it rained weird. last week. It did. It rains it, once it, in a while. Wait a minute. It rained last. Sunday at one twenty-five. Right, oh my God! You right. just got in under the so, sun. So it's the dead center of summer. What have you got at market that I want to know about? Well, exactly. Um, first, let's tell you it's stone fruit bonanza. Stone fruits, all kinds a stone of stone fruit bonanza. Peaches. I think I used to watch that TV show. Nectarines, 
the donut peaches just came in this week. I love those, donut the, peaches. They're oh, so they're creamy. They're so good. They're so good. White. Oh, they're so good. Good in wine and cocktails, too, by the way. Mm, sangria. Uh, cut good them, idea. Slice them up. Maybe yeah. with some mezcal, right? Some donut yeah, peaches and some mezcal. I think I have a whole thing going oh on my here, God, Mitch. Let's put some heroin in there, too. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Ouch. Anyway, and on that I topic, stopped you cold, didn't I, I, I Mitch? Come on. <laughs> we were on the Central Farm Markets actually pioneered in Montgomery County the uh, uh, the distilleries, breweries, and wineries participating in the markets. And so yesterday at the Pike Central Farm Markets, we had a distillery, a brewery, and a winery. We put them all next to each other, and we had a special anybody that purchased something from each one of those vendors got a free ticket to the Betty Ford Clinic. So, <laughs> so you know, we're always thinking of our patrons. Mitch, you are. I, you are I, great, I, I just want to, to remind you I'm the comedian here, not okay. you. Okay, <laughs> fine. Right, okay, fine. All right, so First Mitch, show, just tell everybody, because you have so many markets now, tell us about what's yes, going on at Pike and Rose. Okay, Pike and Rose, well, I just told you about the Betty Ford Clinic special, yes. but we have you know, you can do your basic shopping. You can don't have to go to the supermarket. You especially this time of year, mm-hmm. we've got everything: meat, fish, poultry, cheesemongers, every kind of beautiful seasonal produce from okra to beans to fennel, all kinds of things. A lot of things you won't even see in the supermarket. All kinds of specialty green beans mm-hmm. that we have here as well. Do you um, have as many? Because at, at Central Farm Markets, the one that's happening today in Bethesda, you have a lot yes. of prepared food as well. Do you have that the same uh, amount of prepared food vendors at your other markets? I would say proportionately, yes, because this one's a larger one. Yeah, it's um, a big market. Some of them, yes, and some of them are the same. And we also want to give everybody a shot. So we have different vendors at different places. We have everything from Indian food to um, food from New Zealand. We have uh, a pizza oven in Bethesda. We have barbecue. Of course, that's American. So we've got barbecue at all four markets. Um, and we have a different barbecue guy. And so um, the barbecue is unbelievable. I could go for some barbecue. I could go for some barbecue right now. Mitch, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up. So make sure everybody okay, knows so where to go to market today. Please. Yes. So today we have the two Sunday markets. We are in Fairfax at the Mosaic District, a wonderful market, almost 50 vendors there, uh, right in the center of the Mosaic District. And we are in downtown Bethesda on the Bethesda Elementary School to learn about all four of our markets. Go to centralfarmmarkets.com and support your farmers. Okay, Excellent. Great. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks, Thank Mitch. you have so a much. Good one. Thank you, kids. Bye. Bye-bye. Calls me a kid. I know. Uh, um, All right, Sam Nellis, Sam the Nellis, kid. Finally, you made. Well, you were on this show. You've been on this show, didn't you? I, well, I have with me? kind of co-hosted with you before, but it's. I didn't it's let tough you get, get a word in. Right? I, the very first time I did it, I think I spoke once. So, I don't know. That, that must have been a rarity. I was afraid for you. you'd say something. Anyway, yes. it made me very uncomfortable. I, okay. so I'm not used to not talking. <laughs> All right, so. Talk a little bit before you get into spritzes about the cocktail program overall at Red Hen and um, uh, All Purpose. Well, the two programs I think are pretty different. Um, at All Purpose, uh, we're really focused on taking classics and maybe just doing a small variation on them. Um, the when same you mean way that- classics for cocktail classics, because both of the restaurant, all the restaurants have an Italian bent to them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, do you mean Italian classical cocktails or American classical cocktails? Well, when you're talking about classic cocktails, you're really talking about American. We sort of gave the world cocktail It was culture. all us. We, you're welcome, world. USA, USA. Um, and, <laughs> Lock um, him up. So, you know, we might, um, you know, take some uh, Italian ingredient and, and include it. Um, and uh, sometimes we'll, you know, take a Maro and blend that into something that usually doesn't have a Maro in it. Uh, mm -hmm. A Black Manhattan is a modern classic where you take the Manhattan, which normally has vermouth in it, and you replace it with a Verna Amaro. Um, this was something that was invented in the last 20 years, but now is you can go into almost any bar right, worth its salt and order it, right. a Black Manhattan, and they should be able to make it for you. So that's something that's on our menu, and it will be pretty much for forever. Okay. Um, whereas at the Red Hen, we're going to be much more inventive and try to, you know, pretend like I've invented something. Right. Uh, and that no one else has ever thought of. But you do really creative cocktails at the Red Hen. I yeah. mean, I've been the recipient of many of them. So, um, so Let's what, get mom drunk. No, That's so right. what about, so what, tell us a little bit about the spritzes. Like, what made you decide to hit that for summertime? Well, for me, um, when I think of Italian culture, I think of the aperitivo hour, mm -hmm. uh, which is that it's not an hour. It's it's like rush hour in D.C. It's just mm -hmm. a, a terrible misnomer. Right. Um, but, you know, the idea that after work uh, you'd go and stay at a bar for many hours before dinner mm -hmm. um, to this is so Italian to prepare your stomach to receive the meal to come. Right. Uh, so you, you know, take in a little bit. I mean, you have an Italian a expert <laughs> in <laughs> studio. She's like, you got a problem with that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. uh, a little bitter aperitivo, some light snacks. Um, and this is something that really grew out of the uh, sort of boom period of the post-war uh, Italian culture. Mm -hmm. um, that people, you know, had a little bit more money and had a little bit more time on their hands. All right. All right so what are you making next? Well, let's First. start with the most famous one. We're going to start with an Aperol spritz. Mm -hmm. um, Aperol is the one that sort of took spritz culture and spread it to the rest of the world in the late 80s and the early 90s. And if you read that New York Times article, made a big push on it this year. So we're going to start with the classic and do the Aperol spritz. Excellent. All right. You make that. All right, and, I want to uh, remind everybody, we're on Facebook Live. You we go are. to Nikki Nellis, NYCCI. Nellis and, and just a little more nepotism. Yeah, Sam's Alyssa Turner, Sam's, Sam's beautiful, beautiful wife, wife, Alyssa is is, is doing Facebook Live. And today. <laughs> I, we will just say, unsolicited, he married up. Okay, okay there we go. Now, now let's <laughs> let's get up. So so so, Christoph, let's let's talk about uh, up top acres. Yep. I mean, you're a city boy. I know you grew up in D.C. You went to Wilson High School. Mm -hmm. uh, how did the farming thing start with you? Uh, yeah, so. Up Top Acres, founded by three city kids. Uh, we all went off to college, studied different things. I come from an ag background. Um, my other co-founders come from uh, urban planning and a business background. We well, all, when you say ag background, what yeah. do you mean by that? Like, go you out. Ate, you go, ate lettuce in high school? Yeah, I have dirt under my fingernails all the time. Okay. Yeah. That so, sounds appealing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, t tell that tell it to my fellow. No, but I mean, you grew up along MacArthur Boulevard, basically. So how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how's where does yeah, the where does he? We're trying so to figure I, I that went out. So I went off to school uh, mm -hmm. in Vermont. Okay, so, so that's yeah. where it happened. That's where it started. Yeah, Got yeah, it. new age hippie. Okay. Yes, yes, and uh, plenty of granola up there. We uh, we sort of came back from college, and we all saw trends in green building, um, urban redevelopment, also sort of the farm to table local food movement. We were able to sort of come up with this idea of, hey, we should take this underutilized space, combine all these things, and try to grow some food. Okay, so how did you guys start the process? Because a, a lot of what you're doing is it, it's all rooftop farming. Mm -hmm. 
But there, I have so many questions about that. Like, how are you able to put beds up there? How are you able to water without, like, what's the irrigation like? Like, how does, yeah. what's the process? How does it work? Uh, so, in like I mean, 90 just, seconds just or less. <laughs> take, you're, you're out at a farm, you see those nice, nicely shaped beds, that soil, those plants, take that, put it on a roof. Mm -hmm. um, that's what it looks like. Uh, the way we get there is there's a lot of engineering that goes into it, make sure the roof can support it. And then the way we irrigate is we tap into the building's water supply, um, city water, and we've got automated irrigation, drip irrigation, sprinklers, um, all the same technology but, they would use on the, the ground. But what's the apparatus under the soil? Is it just, I mean, because it's got a drain and all of yeah, that? Yeah, so it, so it drains just like a normal roof does. There are downspouts. It's, it's technology. It's called a green roof technology. I won't get into it, but basically it just allows water to flow how it normally would. So that there, it doesn't, like, collect no, up yeah, there, right? No no flooding, no... Uh, so can you grow anything that essentially a farmer in this area would grow? Uh, yeah, we, we've we been able to grow everything. We grow everything from lettuces all the way to... We have some sweet corn up on the roof this year. We grow watermelons, we grow tomatoes, peppers. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we want to talk about where you're doing these gardens and then the kind of things that you're growing, how you're working. We know you're at... And where the produce goes. Right, well, we know you're at Pike and Rose and you're doing mm -hmm. stuff with City Perch, so we want to talk about that, cool. too. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Beauty and the Beast. We're having some spritzes and we're going to learn more about rooftop gardening. Just a sec. We'll be back. All right. You're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki mm -hmm. Nellis. We're talking to Christoph Greena of Up Top Acres about basically urban farming. Yeah. So yeah. now that you guys have developed this process, how are you enacting it around the area? Yeah. So we've got uh, farms on six roofs around the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, mm -hmm. uh, totaling about two acres of space, 90,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. uh, and do people contact you to do these farms because there are restaurants that you are working with or is it because they're like, I mean, obviously are you chasing them? No, but like environmentally, isn't it mm -hmm. better to have green roofs? Yeah, I mean, really all the above. I mean, we work with commercial property owners. Sometimes they have restaurants in the building. That makes the relationship sort of easier to develop if the restaurant, if there's buy-in from them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they do it for green building standards. Uh, they do it. There's some tax incentives in D.C. specifically. So there's a lot of different levers that we try to pull to convince people to, okay. to partner with us. So let's talk about what you're doing out at Pike and Rose mm -hmm. and how big that plot is and what you're doing. Yeah, so this year we opened our newest rooftop farm out in, at Pike and Rose in partnership with Federal Realty. Mm -hmm. It's about an acre of space. We're growing everything from... So is that just one building or is it... Because yeah, there's so, a lot of buildings Yeah, there. so it's, it's one building. It's actually over top of the IPIC movie theater, um, oh, yeah, City, City Perch, Perch restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and we're growing sort of 15 different fr uh, small fruits and vegetables, lettuces, herbs, uh, tomatoes, peppers. And we distribute it through a farm membership program. Basically, residents can sign up um, and they get a weekly delivery of produce so they can actually see the farm outside of their window. Cool. Um, on one of the residential cool. towers. And then we also partner with City Perch, which is the restaurant that's connected with the Eye Pig mm -hmm. Movie Theater. And right. uh, Two yeah. questions. Do you do fruit? I mean, do you have trees or won't the, the roofs support trees? Uh, we're starting to look at trees, um, doing a lot of experimentation. They do support dwarf varieties. Um, so we're starting to work with that. We do strawberries. Um, we're starting to experiment with raspberries and blackberries. Really yeah. It is. So what do you do during spend. the winter? Are you going to... Yeah, so we do, we do some covering. Eventually, we would love to have greenhouses. We don't right now. We do. We cover with low tunnels. Uh, we plant cover crops uh, and basically let the soil rest for a couple months. Uh, we have a, we have a greenhouse on the ground that we will continue growing through the winter. And um, yeah. All right. So, what's next steps? Well, the, here's my question: Is the city? I mean, the the city bureaucracy in D.C. 
are they accepting of this and helping to promote it or are they like it's too weird for us yeah dc has been super supportive um they've passed a lot of legislation that has been in support of not just rooftop farming but urban agriculture in general um so trying to find city land that can be utilized for its city buildings uh trying to provide some tax incentives for private landowners the same thing in montgomery county um so yeah i mean this and is then a are you then working with um like with some of the buildings let's say they don't have a restaurant you're having this gardening up like on an office building yeah. so are you working with i don't know dc central kitchen are you working with charities in order like where is that food going so the food gets uh for the most part gets sold through our farm membership program so, okay. so office buildings that were on top we basically will set up a market once a week in the lobby of that building and then tenants of that office building can right. buy the produce and take it on okay. so everything none of the produce that we grow travels further than uh, a, qu a quarter mile wow um yeah. That is really impressive. Uh, yes, well, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask because one of the things that D.C. suffers from is availability of fresh produce mm -hmm. to people in wards, particularly seven and eight. Mm -hmm. And they have lots of urban farming, mm -hmm. uh, urban farming yeah, programs. Yeah, groups like mm -hmm. Brain Food and all that that are doing mm -hmm. it on the ground. D.C. Um, Greens. You know what? There's a huge D.C. municipal building over in Anacostia. I was just there. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, well, we'll see who we can hook you up with. All right. So, um, so how do people get in touch with you guys? And like, what's the process of kicking it off? Like, how do people start it with you? Uh, so we're uh, at Up Top Acres on mm -hmm. every social media platform. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in terms of if you're a uh, real estate, if you're in the real estate world, just get in contact with us mm -hmm. and we'll come out, look at your roof and see what we can do. There are a lot of different ways it works. If you're just a normal uh, civilian. We also do events on our rooftop down in Navy Yard uh, overlooking Nats Park. We do uh, farm-to-table dinners. We do happy hours. We do yoga classes, try to activate the space, get people involved. It helps us market our produce, but also helps people sort of connect with growing food in cities, uh, which a lot of people don't have that. Um, okay, where is this space? Uh, it's at 55 M Street Southeast. It's right over top of the Navy Yard Metro Station. Okay, uh, cool. Across from the bullpen, a block away from Nats Park. Right, right, right. I know exactly where it is. Okay, cool. cool. Well, thanks yeah. so much for yeah, joining us this morning. Right. Really interesting. All right, Sam. Sam, this was delicious. This is good. This thank is you. lovely. <laughs> like a perfect <clears throat> way to start your um, Sunday morning. Just What's really great about it, um, the Aperol Spritz in general, is that it is really widely available uh, especially now um mm -hmm. so you know uh you can i mean they're so available i'm wearing a shirt if you're following us online yes, i'm wearing a shirt that has aperol spritz all over it uh and you can make this sort of thing at home um because you can go and find aperol uh in the store and you can find prosecco in the store it should be made with prosecco as opposed to some other kind of bubbly mm -hmm. um and a little bit of soda water and the recipe is right there on the bottle did the fact that you and your brothers were constantly sneaking booze from our bar at home as you grew up. We didn't did that, have that kind of bar that, when he was young. Contribute? Our bar now. No, that's, that's how insane. I ended up. That, no, that's how I ended up liking vermouth so much. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the one thing I could find that I was yeah. like, I don't think they're using this. I, so. was, I was Eli and I were out because I was talking to him about. It. I went over there. There's a lot of bottles that are kind of empty. That's actually your oldest son who lives in San Francisco. No, I don't no, know how no, he's stealing no, it, but it's not. Recently. It's not your children. Right. Uh, your youngest. Anyway. We shouldn't fight publicly, but anyway. Okay. All right. What are you making? What are you making next? Next, I'm gonna do something um called uh, we on the menu we call it an og spritz mm -hmm. um but it is, is the exact same recipe as uh, it means original gangster oh. i don't know if you could tell by my flat rim hat but i'm very cool and hip right. and fun yeah. um yeah, so in you know while the aperol spritz is ubiquitous in italy and 
um, the rest of the world in Venice, where the spritz is really, really from. Mm -hmm. uh, they use a product called Aperitivo Select, um, which is uh, somewhere in between Campari and Aperol. Um, it's got, I think, a deeper What's flavor. What's the difference between uh, Campari aperitivos? and Aperol, though? Like well, they all have secret recipes, so it's very difficult for me to say. But Aperol and Campari specifically, Campari they're, they're a is similar, a much bolder right? flavor. Um, it's higher alcohol. It's like um, uh, like 20%. Aperol is 11%. Okay. Um, and uh, it's got a much deeper, more bitter, bitter. quality to okay. it. Uh, all Italian aperitivo, they're called bitter aperitivo. Um, they, well, they're all like neon red, they're all vastly different. And they come from a period of time where the Italian, uh, aperitivo culture was about, um, medicine oh and not just say, you should have gone to college for this. Yeah. <laughs> Molly knows his stuff. It's very exciting. All right. Okay. All right. Whip well, that you... thing up. Let's now speaking of liquid refreshment, let's go right. to Michael Iglesias. Michael how are you? Michael, you're going to have to get in front of the mic. Yeah, yeah. All right, in front of the mic. Because it's go. radio, baby. All right, baby. Yeah. All right, so so big change at Del Campo. Yeah, very and big change. you got Taco Bell. It's like you got business in the front, party in the back. Actually, no, no, party no, no. in the party front. Party in the front, business yeah. in the back. you got Taco Bomba when you walk in the door right. and then Poca Madre when you go in the back. Yeah, Talk but you have to go around. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So Taco Bomba is our fun, uh, you know, we, we kind of – Call it the, the the feisty taqueria. It's a rock and roll taqueria. We're always playing music. It's loud. Uh, there's 42 items on the menu. Super creative tacos. Now and how, then, many, how many taco bombas are there around the area? Uh, this is the fourth one. Okay. Fourth. And I have to say, they have invented one called the Royale. Royale with thanks, cheese. Thanks Royale to, with thanks cheese. Thanks to Pulp Fiction, and right. it is it. Honestly, God, it's a Big Mac. In a no, no, it's, a, it's, it's not. A, that's the Big Mac. It's it's a quarter pounder with it's cheese. A quarter it's a quarter pounder, pounder with cheese. cheese. If you would, it was, it was actually the last. Pulp Fiction. Okay. It was okay. the last taco to go on the menu because we wanted to get that one really, right. really. Except it's really that good. it's got the secret sauce in it. It does have. So secret. it is a Big Mac. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a Big Mac. It is a Big Mac. No, the Big not. Mac. All right. So so we have the taqueria in the front, and mm -hmm. then uh, there's a there's a little closed dark doorway that separates the two halves of the restaurant. Uh, Poca Madre has a beautiful garden entrance. We have a great, fabulous patio. Great lounge, right? Really, like, ex like it, it's sort of tucked away, and it's so nice back there. It's really set up beautifully. Maggie O'Neill did the design. Yeah, yeah Swatch did gorgeous work. Awesome. And uh, when you walk in to Poca Madre, there's this fabulous, huge painting mm -hmm. of the open doorway. Open door, yep. It's really powerful. I mean the space is really beautiful. Yeah, when uh when the muralist was uh was was doing the painting, it's it actually really was emotional for 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 all of us in the mm -hmm. in the space. No, you were just... crying because you were so full of mezcal. No, no, no. Uh, mezcal, we're not mezcal, mezcal. Yeah. Well, you know, and I also was thinking about my my parents' journey to the United States in the right. 60s, you know, and and what it must have been like for them to come to a foreign country and and back then it was it was really, you know, it was more of an open door, so. Mhm. Mm well, so let's talk let's about. Don't yes. worry, don't worry. It's almost over, pal. <laughs> it's almost over, Mr. Muller. So. Okay, so tell us about the mezcal program at Pocomadre. Sure. So mezcal is, uh, you know, it's what our focus it uh, is. We're uh, really exploring uh, culinary Mexico mm -hmm. and uh, all the different aspects of uh, Mexican gastronomy. Mezcal is uh, an agave uh, spirit. So mm -hmm. if you have agave, and you're in ten different regions and. Mexico, then you can have mezcal. There are 36 different agaves mm -hmm. that you can make uh, mezcal out does, of. Does that account for the 90 different 
mezcals that you guys carry? We carry uh, 90 plus, and the, the program will grow. And uh, is it is it the, the different agave and the different land, soil, terroir, if you want right, to call Right, so it it's definitely, you know, I have a wine background, and a lot of people that are in the mezcal business these days do because it is a study of uh, terroir and varietals. Mm-hmm. So it's different uh, agaves. It's uh, also different regions. So whether you're getting mezcal from Puebla, from Michoacan, uh, most people think the mezcal is just from Oaxaca. They do. And yeah. I was going to say, you know, mezcal sort of, I, I mean, I feel like more and more people now are getting into it and there's a lot more education out there yeah. on it because for a while, everybody just thought mezcal was like just super smoky tequila. Do you right. know what I mean? The smoke, like what, the smoke, right? the, the smoke, the smoke. Yeah, the smoke. But like what day. you brought in today is not like that at all, right? No, you know, uh, well, what I chose to do today was just give you a, a broad snapshot of, of mezcal as a category and mm-hmm. uh, spark a couple conversations. So the first one we're going to do, we'll pass these little copitas around. Now, why do you bring them in that? Um... So these are uh, beautiful clay ceramic uh, cups that are made mm-hmm. by Omar Hernandez, who's mm-hmm. a ceramicist Thank in you. Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea of this is that you're going to get the aromas. It's going to blow off the alcohol because it's got a wide opening. So it's almost like a, using a Pinot Noir but glass. Talk, I mean, we, we've done this before, but not for a long time. I think there are a lot of people that really don't understand the difference between tequila and mezcal. Sure. So tequila is a mezcal. So um, I like to say that tequila is made with one uh, agave varietal, Tequilana Blue Weber, mm-hmm. uh, and it's made in four different regions in Mexico. Okay. Um, so it is a mezcal like champagne is a sparkling wine. Got it. Um, and if you want to do it, a little wine analogy, Whoa. you know, tequila, Ooh. I'll call it the Cabernet of the of, of the list, mm-hmm. where it can be made in oak or stainless steel, mm-hmm. uh, and mezcal is the entire wine list, okay. the entire list, because it's got all the other varieties to it. So it has so many different and when you properties. when you get once you get to mezcal you really the the oak gets uh it's it's not part of the culture it's not part of the tradition so you're looking to express the varietals you're looking to express the terroir mm-hmm. um and when i remember my first time in, in oaxaca and i was like hey do you have any aged mezcal because i'd had a really cool uh sherry aged domagay at that point and uh the distiller was like yeah está envasado. he was like it's been in glass for eight years and i was like okay weirdo what you're right like, what's that mean and literally, mezcal will evolve in glass. So the first mezcal we're going to try today is Real Minero uh, Espadine, and this is a 2012 uh, vintage and current release. All right, we're going to try it and come back because we got to take a break. But we just got a nice note from Alcoholics Anonymous. They're, <laughs> they're doing an emergency intervention after the show, so everything's going to be great. All right. So. Okay, so I guess... Uh, we're taking a break right now. Yes, this is uh, David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're getting a mezcal education. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors, uh, the really, truly fabulous specialty market at River Falls in the center of Potomac. Mm-hmm. If you're barbecuing this summer, they've got great steaks, they got ribs, they got unbelievable Well, they fish. have an incredible selection of items that are locally based, and they work with fantastic farmers, and uh, they also bring in really terrific, very fresh seafood every and, day. And speaking of fresh seafood, uh, our friends at ProFish, mm-hmm. sustainable seafood, unbelievable. They yes, ship it all over the world. Great uh-huh. stuff. And the Ivy City Smokehouse. Uh, meat Crafters, great skinny salami. And uh, the uh, Central Farm Markets. And Mitch Berliner, God bless him. So, <laughs> all right, so let's get back to Michael. Um, so, Michael, tell us about the next one that you poured. Sure. So, the next one I poured is we're taking a little journey through Mexico. It is uh, Siembra Metal. It uh-huh. is Siembra Metal, which is uh, metal is uh, not wild for uh, agave. Mm-hmm. And it is 
Um, God, it's so different from the it other It is one. so different. So this is a very traditional in that uh, this vinata is on the opposite ridge of the OML pine forest. Mm -hmm. So when I visited this uh, uh, vinata, literally we're in a subtropical pine forest and monarch butterflies were flying. It was really Neat. very surreal and beautiful. And their tradition is to use the pine wood. So they'll distill, they'll ferment and distill in uh, pine wood vats and pine wood stills. Well, I was going to say, this has a really herbaceous feel to it. Yeah, you and know? this is, this it's agave, too. this agave is cupriata, mm -hmm. and um, it is sweeter. Uh, it, that's, it, it really just comes out, gets more caramelized. Mm -hmm. um, and cupriata is probably the, uh, the major varietal in Michoacan, which is the heartland of Mexico. It's avocados, corn, black beans for days. Right. Yeah. So when you're um, pouring mezcal at Poca Madre, mm -hmm. are you recommending that people just serve it over ice? Or how do you, how do people... We do it just like this. We do it neat. And I brought a little sal de gusano. Uh, we typically will uh, do a beautiful little fruit plate, mm -hmm. uh, which is a tradition you get in Oaxaca. Uh, it can clean your palate. It's it's a nice little touch to mezcal. It makes uh, the sipping mes of mezcal more of an experience. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll do, you know, right now we have, we're speaking about, we have cantaloupes, nectarines, strawberries, right, blackberries. It's the height then, of summer. Right. And then we do a little sal de gusano, which is a chili warm salt. Okay, uh, so that'll reactivate your palate and get you going for the next sip. Um, and but a lot of people use mezcal in cocktails. Like the quality of mezcal you brought in, wouldn't it ruin the spirit to put that in a cocktail? Well, I mean that's a great conversation. I'm glad Sam was here too because it's right. uh, it's one it's one we have a lot. Um, I use uh, at Poca Madre we we celebrate mezcal, mm -hmm. so almost our entire program is mezcal. Right. A cocktail program. I think we have one tequila cocktail on the menu. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is to not have limits. So I, I have chichicapa mezcal and a Negroni. Um, I use a, a very herbaceous Vago Madre de Quiche in our uh, Wizard of Walks, which is a, it's a cantaloupe Mai Tai. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it has so you, what you're doing is you're really taking the uh, complexities of the spirit and applying it to the, the drink that you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And as long as you're honoring the spirit, I think it's a beautiful thing to use mm -hmm. uh, uh, gorgeous spirits for a gorgeous cocktail. And when you have people come into the restaurant, because like we said at the beginning of the show, like not everybody really understands mezcal. Mm -hmm. How do you introduce them to having it, you know, just neat with the fruit plate? Because so, that's an odd, that's not something everybody knows to do. Right. Right. And a lot of people will slam it. So sip it, don't shoot it, you know, right, kind right, of thing. Right, right. You know, those little sayings help. Mm -hmm. But uh, more than anything, it's about just uh, talking to people about the varietals. Mm -hmm. And I like to bring over, if someone doesn't know what, what kind of mezcal they want, I'll just ask them a little bit about, you know, what they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I'll bring over three bottles, three copitas, pour them little splashes uh, on us just to get them interest, uh, introduced to different uh, You just heard how agaves. to get free mezcal, right? <laughs> uh, uh, do you guys do classes? Uh, we'll start. We'll start yeah. doing classes. Uh, Victor and Del Campo uh, did cook. We did cooking classes about every six weeks. Right. Uh, but you know, after uh, the Bomba and the Poca openings, we're uh, we're taking the summer off. Okay. Victor's lamb ribs. Were Everything that man does. knows meat. He does okay. everything. He does is great. Um, you're gonna pour us one more. Yes. Just tell us quickly what it is before you pour it. Oh, the last one is uh, Alma Mescalera, uh, cannabis mezcal. So right. very rare, beautiful mezcal made with cannabis and herbs. Uh, it's made in Puebla. There's uh, so why like what does the addition of cannabis add to the mezcal? This is Are made. Are you kidding? No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> so this is made by a uh, uh, by Wairi Indians in uh, Puebla. Some very stoned Wairi. And uh, <laughs> and uh, they are the they're only they're allowed to also handle peyote. 
So the same mescalero makes a peyote mezcal. Okay. Um, now, wait a minute. Yes, I said peyote mezcal. What, so what happens when you drink that? You know, it's not work mezcal, so I haven't had more than an ounce of it. So do you see God? <laughs> Uh, I know strip? that I what know happens? that uh, you know the mescalero and people that have had you know let's say a third of a bottle they say it's you know it's a pretty different uh, a different, different experience. high yeah but it's is it legally sold here no this is no, in Mexico but the cannabis yeah. one does it get you high no as well? no there's no there there isn't it's so the idea of this no, it gets you was drunk. To, <laughs> the idea of this was to celebrate uh, uh, the medicinal properties of marijuana oh okay and so it's so it's a it's a marijuana mezcal that's made the cannabis mezcal. That's made with uh, with local Puebla herbs. Fantastic. All right, so now medicinal. all these are available at Soca Madre, and mm -hmm. people can come and find you. Absolutely. And uh, you'll take them through a tour. I will. The journey will continue. The collection will grow. Excellent. All I right, love man. that. All right, tell everybody where they can find you, please. Oh, uh, www.pocamadredc.com. Okay, yeah, and the address, address Oh, we're at 777 I Street. Excellent. Thank all you. Right. All right, Sam. Sam. Sam, speaking of alcohol, all right. yeah, yes. this so, is delicious. This was really. Yeah, I mean, both good. the drinks. No, they're really good, good, right? I mean, yes. We're not very, saying very that with surprise. It's no, no, it's all right. Well, all. you know what's good about these is that I didn't invent them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> these are traditional spritzes that come straight from Italy. Right. Uh, in this particular case, we're not really reinterpreting anything. Um, I mean, uh, a couple of the later ones that you're going to have here, they have a slight variation on them. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you know, our aperitivo hour from the drinks. To the food, which is absolutely amazing. Chef Mike Friedman did an amazing job with the the small bites that we have. Um, everything is just really well done. I couldn't be prouder of of being part of this particular spritz hour. Uh, if it you know weren't already being proud of the restaurant, right? Uh, and Mike Friedman. I told him I'd say his name three times. Uh, okay. In well, his we break. say Mike Friedman all the time on this show. I'm just so, gonna say it one more right. time. Mike, Mike Friedman. Friedman. Mike Friedman. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, right? Exactly. All right, tell us quickly what you're pouring next. Uh, next, we're gonna do a drink that's famous in the um, uh, shopping centers of Milan, which is the beer americano. Okay. Uh, it's a, basically a classic americano, except you switch out the soda water for beer, and in this case, we're gonna do something cool and froth it up with an arrow latte, or some people might call it a milk frother. Um, frother? Frother. Cool. Okay. All right, and I just have to say before we go to Amy, where did you, Amy go? She went out to get some utensils. That's okay. All right. uh, uh, the Michael, the uh, last pour that you did here, it here. smells like marijuana. It smells like high school, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it so, does. Yeah, and you know, I think the, what I like to talk about this a little bit is that it's a... Uh, you know, it, it, the first time I had, I was like, "This is like the most gorgeous weed chartreuse I've ever had." Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, so. it looks like olive oil. Like it looks it like does. a really grassy, Isn't it odd, though, fresh that, olive like, oil. In the last five or six years, like uh, I can remember freaking out in college because we thought mm. there was a narc living on the floor, right. and now it's legal in D.C. I mean, it's such a different world. What right? a great time to be alive. Exactly. <laughs> except for some other things. Okay. Well, thank you. That was great. All right. So Amy Riolo is here. She brought in some diabetes. I guess it's unfriendly to diabetes and friendly to your body foods that are beautiful. No, so they're friendly for diabetics. Let's talk about, well, they're friendly for everybody. Yes. So let's talk about, how did you get into this in the first place? Sure. So, well, uh, my mom had diabetes. When I was growing up, I was the family cook. So I had to be the one to kind of uh, make, make our food taste good so that we could all eat delicious food. But it happened to be okay for her. And it ended up being a career. I never would have dreamed that I would have specialized in this, but it, it became, you know, something that I enjoy. And especially since the numbers are growing now, you have to think about it for everybody. So mm -hmm. whether whether someone has diabetes or not, it's really something to think about. But you've written quite a few books. Yes. About different cuisines. 
Correct. And thank you. Oh, that's so pretty. So I specialize in Medi- the Mediterranean diet, kind right. of Mediterranean cuisine and culture. So I've written books around the entire Mediterranean, but uh, this will be my third with the American Diabetes Association. Okay. And so this one is Quick Diabetes Recipes for Dummies. Yes. What is it? What is it that people need to know when they are diabetic or they're cooking for somebody who's diabetic? What is it that they need to know in their day-to-day cooking? Like, because I don't. I think people are think, oh, it's just sugar, or right, you know, right. like they need fruit juice, or they think don't. I people mean, people who don't have diabetes know what diabetes is and what so causes let's, it. So let's sure. start at the beginning sure. with that. Well, the first thing, the numbers have grown. When I started, it was one in eleven, mm-hmm. and it still is one in eleven people in America mm-hmm. have diabetes. But one in two uh, American adults have either diabetes or pre-diabetes. So we have to be really concerned about the so pre-diabetes. So what does that mean? For that people? means that, like, for people in this room, like at least five of us would have. Yeah, right, but what are the what is diabetes? Uh, yes. So diabetes, it comes, especially this type 2, is more of a, a lifestyle disease that comes mm-hmm. when people's body don't process sugar properly. Okay. So they really have to look at their glucose levels. So people are eating too much sugar, the body's not Process processing sugar. the sugar. Or they might have too much stress, or they might be overweight, or have an illness, and their body is just or handling, it has mm-hmm. a different way yeah. of responding <laughs> right. to the glucose and the, and the mm-hmm. insulin. Just so that's one a reminder, thing. I am wife number three. Marriage actually <laughs> makes you happier and healthier. Right. I am happier and healthier. <laughs> so, in no. A, in, a, uh, in a sad way, yes. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an issue with digesting the, the, the sugar and the, and the glucose in recipes. So mm-hmm. people want to maintain even glucose levels in their body usually okay so they're always having something each meal should have a little bit of carbohydrate a little bit of protein a little bit of fat in it mm-hmm. people think it's just sugar as, as nikki said but it actually we have to look at fat we have to look at cholesterol well, we have to look at sodium become sugar don't they exactly so good carbs and bad carbs most right. people don't know you know they're, they're like no, they, you have to be really educated sweet potato and, and and root vegetables are carbs but they're good carbs they're processed a little bit more slowly mm-hmm. whereas other things are processed more quickly so um, you want to have carbs, whole grains as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, things like barley is, is a good source, quinoa, mm-hmm. also a lot of green vegetables. People with diabetes especially need a lot of fiber in order to help with that uh, glucose intake. So it's mm-hmm. it's really important. I see you brought in a lot of fiber today. Sure, sure. So I remember because it's brunch, so I was thinking and we're taking agave to a whole new level. It's not right. as exciting yeah. as what Michael did, but we've got some agave in these uh, blueberry scones. Oh, so these dear. are um, diabetes-friendly blueberry scones. Okay. The, the agave, agave, when it's not being used in, in uh, mezcal, you can use it as a natural sweetener, and it will it will help the blood sugar level to stay even, so that it won't. Um, your sugar levels won't spike, but it still gives you a little bit of sweetness. And there are okay. different kinds, just like there's different kinds of agave there. There are also different kinds of agave here. I also did a peach shortcake for uh, National National right. Peach Month, so um, you all can try a little bit of that. Thank you. You can just leave it. People will go and help themselves. Sure. Um, so as you were putting together the recipes for this particular book, mm-hmm. what was it that you were looking to do? And what, like, talk about some of the recipes in this book for sure. people. So this book really runs the gamut of all different types of cuisine. It's got Asian in there. It's got a little bit of Latin, what we would consider traditional American, and some Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. But it's everything. It's a one-stop resource for someone who either is cooking or living with someone with diabetes or has diabetes themselves. Mm -hmm. It's got all your basics on nutrition, what to do when you eat out, how to make a grocery list, how to plan your plate, and then some really good, easy recipes for all walks of life, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacking. Because I do think that some people think, oh, I have to cook specifically for the diabetic in my house. Right. And then I have to cook for other people in my house. And if I couldn't handle it as a teenager, I don't think any busy working person could handle it. If you stick to that diet, you'll also lose weight, too. Exactly. You'll lose weight, you'll be healthier. There's nothing in here that someone who didn't have diabetes couldn't eat. Well, so if you have type 2 diabetes and Mm -hmm. you lose the weight and you start eating healthy, are you able to A lot of times people reverse it. It? Yes, okay. a lot of times people can reverse it, and that's the great thing. So you want to prevent it, you right. want to reverse it, and then you know, worst maybe best case scenario, what people can can have it but live ha- happily and healthfully, and 
not be so dependent on insulin and things like that. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other fabulous things that you're doing because Great. you do a lot of travel to Italy and you host some incredible trips. And we'll talk about what that. (laughs) You're always welcome. Something like that. Uh, This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. You just heard about the market at River Falls. I think we've decided to go by there and get some big steaks for dinner tonight. tonight. That sounds like a good Uh, idea. Our friends at Pro Fish in Ivy City, thanks for sponsoring Meat Crafters. Love your skinny salamis. Mm -hmm. And Central Farm Markets. Love your markets, actually, Mitch. And love you, too. All right. So let's get back to. I'm just a lover, not a fighter. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to Amy Riolo. So this is only one little sliver of what you do in your life. So mm-hmm. tell us about all the tell us about the Italian sensory experiences. Yes. Sure. So I, tried, I had one of those ones. I bet. Mm-hmm. So I try to inf- infuse cuisine, culture, nutrition uh, with history and everything I do. So mm-hmm. I do culinary tours, I do the books, and this new tour that's coming up is called the Grape and Truffle Harvest Cuisine and Culture Tour. And it takes place on September 19th. It's going to be in central Italy, so Rome and Abruzzo. Mm -hmm. And the reason we call it Italian sensory experience is because you really get all of the senses in in everything we do there. And it puts the why behind everything you're drinking, everything you're eating. Abruzzo is Do you do truffle hunting? We do. We we went on a truffle hunt. That was cool. So do you... Plant the truffles ahead of time. No. We couldn't figure out if we were being had. <laughs> Some of them or not. look like they may no. have been planted. They're there, and I know that the, I know that at least this place doesn't because we can only do it certain times of year. Yeah, sure. right, that right. But, of, I mean, you know. the big sign that said "find truffles here" with the arrow, oh, I, no. I thought it helped the dog a little bit. No, so tell and us grapes, a little bit. We're going to squish some grapes. You can't do that when you know. With right. Fake. So tell us a little bit about some of the things you guys are doing on this trip. Sure. So we do. It's we're staying the entire time, with the exception of Rome, in a, a winery in their agriturismo. So they make the multiple channel d'Abruzzo wine there, mm-hmm. and we'll be having hands-on cooking classes there that I'll lead. We go on these really cool things called trabocchi, which are these uh, ancient Italian fishing vessels that are wooden and they have these huge rods out on the Adriatic Sea. We're not fishing. We go there and have aperitivi. Actually, that's where we're going to so have our aperitivi. So now we know what Fabio Trabocchi is last So I think you need a mixologist <laughs> and, uh, on this trip yeah, to shake up uh, some You can be there on the boat with you. us. It's really cool. Right. And um, it, we go to places where some of the poets were from. So like Ovid, the Roman poet Ovid was from a town called Sulmona in Abruzzo, which mm-hmm. is, it's like the Italian equivalent of that little quaint town in Chocolat, the movie. Mm-hmm. They have all the confections there. They make the confetti and the chocolates and different things. They have Roman ruins. We'll be there. Um, we're going to be doing some guided uh, wine pairings and tastings with different things. Mm-hmm. We'll go and meet an olive producer. We'll we'll uh, work on the vineyard for a day. We'll go and hunt truffles nice. and have a truffle uh, feast for right. a day. Now, how often do you do these kinds of trips? I do about four tours a year. So I do okay. two in Italy, and then I do Greece and Morocco as well. Okay. And I do custom tours. They're private little boutique tours, so people could just call up and say, hey, I want to go with my friends and family, and, and we'll design it for them. I work with different people in, in different places. Mm-hmm. And it's a really unique one of a kind, because I realize people can go uh, on their own with anybody and do their own thing. But right. I want to make them special. I want to make them understand everything in their cup, everything on their plate, have a really good time. And understand well, the culture th- and work with locals. Well, know? I have to be honest. I think that's so important because, you know, you don't want your nose in a guidebook right. when you're walking around Italy or, or Greece or anywhere for that matter. It's really helpful to understand what you're seeing, what you're doing, what you're drinking, what you're eating. Like there's so much history there and exactly. there's so much that you should you should know while you're partaking in it. Right. So it just doesn't. So you don't miss it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And especially with Italy, like many people have been there before. Mm-hmm. So what's unique about this time? What don't you know? You know, what, what are the, what's the next level kind of thing? And that's how we got into this. Is a, am I right that it's 
49.50 is the per person price. Not that's not forty nine dollars. No, no, forty nine fifty four thousand. That's a great price. It is a great really price. Yeah, for yeah. that yeah. for yeah. a ten day trip. There, it's right. actually it's thirty nine fifty. I think this is the wrong uh, wrong number that I put oh. out for you. It's thirty nine fifty, so, not including airfare. That's but that's a really a good deal. Yeah, yeah, that's that time amazing. Of year, it's probably a thousand dollars a round trip. And everything's taken care of. You get a lot of Damn. kind of behind the scenes with the mm-hmm. manufacturers, with the producers. So it's a it's a really good deal. And Sam, send your daddy to Italy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll start the GoFundMe after the, after the show. Like, send me to Italy. You, send me to Italy. You just said test to Italy. Send me to Italy. Wait, we took you to Italy. Okay. You already we did. Been we did. Years let, ago. We not, did take you to Italy. Let's, let's not have that fair. fight here, okay? okay. Right. Um, and what about books-wise? What do we got coming up for books for you? Sure. So I just signed a contract to do a new book with the Mediterranean Diabetes Association. It's going to be, excuse me, the American Diabetes Association. It's going to be the Mediterranean Diabetes Cookbook, uh, the new version. Okay, because you version. had an original book. Yeah, and it did right? really well. It's uh, It was voted the best diabetes cookbook ever. So isn't Mediterranean dining in general Better really diabetic friendly Definitely. to begin with? It's diabetes friendly. It's Alzheimer's friendly. It's ADHD friendly. It's mm-hmm. it's want to lose weight friendly. It's uh, hypertension friendly. Except for the pasta. Well, smaller quantities. Okay. Smaller quantities. And I know because not better possible. Because that's the problem. Right. And good People quality. in the United States eat. Very Homemade, large portions. Good ingredients. Because I, I did something with the with the American uh, Pasta Association. So I have a little little. There's an American the, Pasta Association. The National Pasta Association. Yes. <laughs> no, really. But we talk about it. Better quality ingredients. Cook mm-hmm. it less. Americans overcook their pasta. So I mean, yeah. forget about al dente. Like really, it's a. We had thing. that argue, the, uh, with our daughter about al dente. Yes. You know, she didn't get and it. And then but. no jarred sauces. Most people give give the the equivalent of say that the pasta is bad, but it's really what they're putting on it. So those jars have usually, unless they say that they don't, oh, a lot like of the sugar. Of, yeah, there's so much sugar. Fat, a lot of chemicals. I will, well, I will say, just Sodium. as an aside, we, when we were in Umbria, one night we didn't go out, and Nikki made... Actually, several nights we with, didn't go with, out. With fresh tomatoes, though. She made... I mean, oh, well, it was so oh. nice. I mean, I know, you know, but I, mean, but you I felt like it. the pasta was better because of the water. <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of it. You know, I even, it even authentic pizza, of... I know, authentic Neapolitan pizza, you have to use a certain type of water. Sure. With a certain level of acidity, you know, pH has to be special. I'm pretty right, sure three bottles of wine made everything better. But <laughs> well, that's, that's just, also that's true. Just me. Well, right. that was better water. Let's tell everybody where to find this book. Yes. And about your trips and how to find you. Sure, they can go to amyriolo.com or the American Excellent.com. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. That's all there. Wow. All right, right, Sam. Sam, Let's wrap it up. This is the big finish. So, So, Sam, (laughs) you guys are doing a special happy hour, right? Yeah. So, So what does that entail? Other than, I mean, I know we have these fabulous cocktails, Mm -hmm. but what is Mikey cooking up? Okay, well, in terms of the food... Chef um, Mikey Friedman. Chef Mikey Friedman. Got yes. in an extra one, yep. even. Um, well, he's he's doing some... In addition to all the pies and all the apps and salads, that Caesar salad that's mm-hmm. out of this world. Yes, I love that um, Caesar salad. In addition to all that, they've put together a nice little aperitivo hour, uh, spritz hour menu. Um, so things on there like a stromboli, which is like having... You know, a little mini pizza rolled up in on itself. Yum. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> you right. Know? Um, a bite-sized pizza because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't do it by the slice, but you can get a whole pizza in a bite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things like our arancini. Uh, they did a special one just for the spritz hour. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, you can get a, a selection of our salumi that we have available every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot to just come in and, you know, you just got so off it's like work. A, it's not a happy hour. It's a spritz hour, but it's a it's at that time of day. Well, all of our hours are happy, and so right. we like to <laughs> so we like to uh, you know designate one for just uh, you know having that after dinner drink, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to be on the metro with everybody crowded in. You're not ready to go all the way home. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have plans later. Maybe you have plans at AP and you just want to meet up before you sit down for dinner and have a couple spritzes, have a couple snacks. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you end up staying at the bar. To, the spritzes are at Shaw. This is specifically an all-purpose all purposes. shop. That's right. The other all-purpose is on Cap Riv. Right. Um, so this is the original all-purpose in mm-hmm. Shaw. Capital Riverfront is now Cap Riv. Yes, it's Cap <laughs> Riv, right? Alyssa, right? Cap Riv. Yes. Um, That's baloney. But no, okay. it's not. That's what they call it. That's uh, not what but I there call are, it. are there some spritzes on the menu? Uh, yeah, so um, the, all the spritzes that you had today, with the exception of the Aperol mm-hmm. Spritz, are uh, on the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aperol Spritz is available all the time, and it is on our regular cocktail list as well. Okay. Um, so everything you had today, uh, including this last one, which I'm sure we're about to talk about. Yes, quickly. Um, quickly. Is, quickly um, is on the menu. Mm. No, you got so, 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah, tell us about this one. So this Delicious. is uh, a cherry and tonic. Mm. Um, so this takes a very famous Padua, uh, sorry, ingredient uh, called Luxardo uh, cherry liqueur, um, and we just put tonic, uh, and it's sort of a take on what they're doing on the Iberian Peninsula, which is a port and tonic. Mm-hmm. All right, go to All Purpose uh, at Cap Riv. No, no well, I mean Shaw. go there as well, no, but for this, Shaw, but for <laughs> this go to Sam. Shaw. you can see go Sam at All Purpose Shaw and at Red Hat. And at the Red Hat. Are you gonna be, where are you going to be tonight? Uh, tonight, I'll be at the Red Hat. Okay, everybody go see Sam Nellis at the Red Hat. <laughs> All, right, All right, so very briefly, we do another radio show on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Mondays from 5 to 6. Uh, it's uh, on an internet work called Full Service Radio. You go to fullserviceradio.org. It's at the Line Hotel. We're in our, our special glassed-in studio in the lobby at the Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's more of a deep dive into a single subject. It's not a variety show like this. And uh, it's some cool stuff. Do we know what's happening on Monday? Uh, we did know what's happening on Monday, but we don't now because Jack, our producer's grandmother, passed away. So we oh, have that's no right. Tomorrow. We're off on Monday. We're off tomorrow. Free night. <laughs> but Sorry, next Jack. week's show is going to be fabulous. We have the team from Blue Duck Tavern coming in. And there is a new um, make-your-own-cocktails-at-home company called Shaker and Spoon. They're going to come in and... Show us how to make some cocktails at home. And the Meatball Guys are finally opening up. They're going to come in studio with uh, some of their product. All right. All right. So we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. It was so much fun. It was fun. And so delicious. Uh, Everybody, please have an incredible week. (laughs) 